Okay. So it's Wednesday. We have the bulk of Chapter 35, a long and very powerful chapter of Tanya to go through very quickly. What we've seen so far is this chapter is focusing us, as will the next two, on the significance of action and the proof that the Rebbe bases this concept of the enormous supremacy of mitzvahs of action was the quote we did yesterday from the Zohar, the child, the Yanuka of the Zohar, saying that specifically mitzvahs of action are the oil, the fuel, to keep the Shechina, to keep God's presence on our head. So the Rebbe explains today that, let's analyze this metaphor, this marshal, this parable of the Yanuka, of the Zohar. We have a wick. We have the oil the fuel for the flame. And as long as there's fuel, the flame will stay on the wick. So here we have the wick is our body. And the flame is, is the shechina, is the expression of Hashem's absolute existence and oneness. And the fuel that maintains the shechina, the divine presence on our head, is the mitzvah maisias is the action mitzvah specifically. And when we're looking at this muscle, as, as I explained yesterday, the fuel becomes one with the flame. Just as you would imagine, you have a wick and you think of your Hanukkah menorah or a candle, the fuel is feeding the fire. So the fuel has no independent existence. It goes up through the wick and is literally now part of the fire until you, you see less and less fuel, less and less oil, because it's within, within, within the flame, until ultimately, if you don't add more oil, the f- flame consumed all of the fuel, there's no more oil left, and then the flame leaves. So that means, the Rebbe says, that the fuel has to be something that has no existence of self. Because if there's any self, you can't have the complete negation of self that you become literally part of another existence. The oil is subsumed in the flame. And therefore, mitzvahs, we'll explain later why mitzvahs mysias, but mitzvahs are this perfect fuel. Because, as we will discuss briefly, Mitzvahs don't have a separate existence. They are purely an expression of God's will. In contrast, the Rebbe says, why isn't our soul the fuel for God's fire? I mean, you think the most spiritual thing ahead of me is my soul, which it is. But the soul has existence. It has a godly existence. It's a, it's a godly existence. Once you have that word existence, you're in trouble. Because existence means you can then not become completely subsumed in God's existence. Because you have your own existence. You could become very, very much part of God's existence, but there's still that piece of self. That piece of self is the problem. As I explained yesterday, when you're talking about God's existence, there's no percentages. You can't be 99% nullified. You can have 99% God existence because there's just a little 1% of you. It does not work that way. It's 100 or 0. If you're either 100% nullified and have 100% God's existence, 
or zero. It doesn't make a difference how minor your sense of self is. As long as it's there, there's not space for God's self. And for the same reason that I've explained, love and fear, which are very, very important and, and necessary, and this is Tanya, we spend chapters and chapters developing a love and fear of God as the ultimate means of a connection to him. But they don't work in this. Because love and fear are an expression of self. I love. I fear. Love is, and fear is an expression of me. So there's some bit of existence. It's small. It's minor. But it doesn't make a difference how small and minor it is. As long as there's some existence outside of God's existence, can't be the fuel. So what are mitzvahs, God's commandments? Mitzvahs are his will. I mean, think of any mitzvah in the world. Like, you have a little box on your doorpost. Like, why do you have a box on your doorpost? Is that for a new style, decorative? No, it's because God wants mitzvah. And why do you eat like this? And why do you not talk like this? And why do you have to wait after this? And why do you have to cover this? It's what he wants. It's what he wants. It's what he wants. It's what he wants. So every mitzvah means... This is God's will actualized by a human being in a physical world. God has a will, and therefore we slaughter animals in a certain way. And therefore we eat in a certain fashion. And therefore we do everything we do because God's will regulates every aspect of our life. And in every aspect, when I do it as he says, that's a perfect expression of his will actualized. It's not me. It's his will actualized. Now, his will is also found in all of creation. But in all of creation, it's a more minor level of his will, and it's a concealed level of his will. That creation could have a sense of self. Deliberately so. So then there's free choice and our ability to work with creation that seemingly is separate and uncover that it's really not. But a mitzvah is the essence, inner dimension of God's will, unconcealed. It's purely for no reason but this is what God wants. And therefore, the will is so revealed, there's no separate existence. It's his will. Why do you circumcise your child? It's his will. Why do you separate your milk and your meat? It's his will. Why not use your cell on Saturday? It's his will. So every time we're doing a mitzvah, this is a pure expression of him. So therefore, every mitzvah is the oil. Because it does have a separate existence. It is an expression of his existence. So it feeds that his light, that the fire of God's presence should be on my body that is actualizing his will. Now what do we mean when we say the resting of the divine presence? Hashras hashchina. Shechina means the absolute existence of the oneness of God. Meaning... Shechina is a revelation of God himself, that there's nothing but him. And Hashra'a, the resting, means the revelation of that level. It's not like I'm moving something from there to here, because God is everywhere. But I'm revealing the God that is here, that he's resting in a revealed way on me. Revealed meaning in a degree of quantity and quality and absorption that's only possible because I've become a vehicle for his presence through the mitzvah, through the fuel of the mitzvah. Hello.
Now, a person can say, well, understanding all that, why are we limiting this then to mitzvahs of action? For example, there's a very spiritual, godly thing called learning Torah, which is what we're doing right now. That's not a pure expression of nullification to God's will? Yeah, it is. So well, how come that's not the fuel? How come I need to do an action mitzvah to be the fuel? So the Rebbe explains that really Tyra does create fuel the same way a mitzvah of action does. It's for the same concept. It's a pure expression of his will. There's no separate existence. Its existence is the will and wisdom of God. But Tyra has another issue. Tyra is not as physical as like giving charity or eating in a certain way, or dressing in a certain way. or It's more remote from your bodily functions. It's, it's a mental concept, mental, emotional. It's not as much body. So therefore, though Torah is fuel for the Shechina, for the presence of God, but that fuel isn't as much impacting your body. It's bringing God to your soul. It's bringing God to the garments of your soul. But it's not having as much of an intimate expression on the body because the body is not as involved. That's the advantage of action mitzvahs. When I cook for a sick person, when I go physically and sit with someone who's sick, when I go and dance in front of a bride, I'm using my body, my whole body is part of this mitzvah of, of, of God's will. And therefore, the whole body, literally my physical body, is enjoying this presence of God on my body. And this even includes, and there's a tremendous innovative thought of this chapter and a very significant thought, this even includes my animal soul, meaning I have godly energies, I have animal energies. And my animal energies, their function is to give me struggle and challenge <laughs> and go against and, 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 and seemingly do everything they can to oppose my godly energies. But whenever... I am serving God, I'm actually using the animal. Because the godly soul is such an intense spiritual force, the godly soul, it can't directly interface with my body. So the godly soul actually hijacks, kidnaps my animal energies, and through the animal, the godly can reach the body. So every time I'm doing a mitzvah, any mitzvah, I, we, we're dancing in front of that kala, we're dancing in front of that bride, we're visiting the sick. We're giving charity. Anytime I'm doing that, my godly soul is expressing itself with her garments on the garments, utilizing the garments of my animal soul through the energies of my animal soul to reach the powers of my body, to reach my very physical body. That's what's happening every time. Which means, the Rebbe says, every single time you do a mitzvah, your animal soul is also enjoying God's presence, which is like, what? My animal soul? This is, this is the animal. This is the enemy. Everybody says, not exactly. It's a part of you. It's a part of you that you have a very big responsibility to transform. And this is the way you do it. So here you are. You're giving charity. You're utilizing the power of movement of your godly soul, trust your godly soul, to kidnap the power of movement of your animal soul, to take over the power of movement of your body, to have your hand in charity. All these levels of self, the power of movement of your body soul and your body soul, the power of movement of your animal soul and your animal soul, and the power of movement of your body and your physical hand 
are all part of the mitzvah. They're all enjoying varying levels of God's presence. A person could say, what? The animal soul? But the animal soul is like evil. She's opposed to God's energies. How could she be part of God's presence in a revealed way when after a mitzvah? So the other says what actually happens is there isn't an evil part of your animal soul. The core energies of your animal soul, the emotions of your animal soul are very strong and very opposed to godliness. I mean, that's the job. When you are doing a mitzvah or when you are learning Tyra, those energies are so overwhelmed by the godliness that they check out. They're either in a state, we could call it sleep, we could call it exile. We're not going to explain all these details now since we're covering a chapter very quickly. But they, they are not part of the experience. They can't handle the experience. But all the rest of your animal soul, sometimes we call that the vital soul, the intellectual soul, the parts of intellect of the animal soul, the higher levels of the animal soul are able to enjoy and be changed by, be affected by the Shechina. They have God's presence in a revealed way on them for the entire duration of the mitzvah, which is an amazing concept and really expands the reach a mitzvah has. When we understand that every time we do a mitzvah, besides changing the world, I'm changing my body. I'm changing my animal soul because my body and animal soul are now literally having hashras hashchina. God's presence is resting on them in a real place. But in the chapter, we say, wait a minute. A, a skeptic could say, not that we're skeptics. So, you mean you change God? And how many gods do you have? Every time a Jew does a mitzvah, I mean, there's a lot of gods out there then. And basically, again, there could be a lot of discussion on this that we don't have time for, but the basic answer is we're not changing God. We're not moving him, like I said, from here to there, from there to here. He is here. Our action is allowing him to be expressed. And in terms of how many gods do you have? Every time somebody does a mitzvah, so the, the, the metaphor to explain this concept, the parable, which is from the Gemara, from the Talmud, in answering this question, is like the idea of the sun. If you have the sun shining and, and tens of thousands of housewives open up their windows or open up their shades and the sunlight pours through all these different homes, you don't have more than one sun. You just have a lot of sunlight impacting the world. So there's one Abishter. There's one God. And as each one of us do those deeds that reveal God on us, it's the light of his presence that's affecting simultaneously, hopefully, millions and millions of people in the world at the exact same time. So that is a very, very brief rendition of the chapter. Any questions, please unmute yourself, star six. Okay? A lot of avaida and a lot of very, very powerful concepts.